Welcome to the On Your Marks podcast, and I'm your host, Matthew Wood from GW Active. This is the podcast where we chat to the founders, leaders, and innovators behind the brands that inspire you to get on your starting blocks. The world of sport is competitive by nature, and a business that underpins it often has an interesting story behind it. And with this podcast, we aim to get an insight into those that drive it forward. On this episode of the On Your Marks podcast, I chat to Mark and Natalie from Gelpax Direct. After getting injured while running, Mark went to see his physio, and it was there where the idea for Gelpax Direct came about. At the time, Mark was trading products online using eBay and Amazon, so he found a way to combine his work with his passion. Natalie, his partner, joined Gelpax Direct in 2017 whilst continuing to run her own business. You'll be able to hear in the conversation that their desire to keep people safe and injury-free is what drives these entrepreneurs. We started the conversation by asking Mark about his younger years. Uh, so I was born over in Litchfield um, and then uh, I went off to, to uni up in Sheffield. Um, I've been traveling away to Canada, done some snowboarding over there, then I came back and moved back to Birmingham and uh, I've been here ever since. Brilliant. I, I looked a bit into your LinkedIn and I saw your, your, your school grades, you were great at physics at school, I noticed, and, and you went into uh, <laughs> yeah, the university. Mean, that, was, that was one of my chosen A-levels. I mean, I ended up going and actually doing an engineering degree, um, so that was what I specialised in. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I was to try and do any physics now, I wouldn't have a, the first clue, to be honest. It all just evaporates, doesn't it, very quickly. So, <laughs> But you're obviously very intuitive and quite math-driven when you were a young age, and then going through mechanical engineering as well. So, like... How did you find university? What was that like for you? And what was the reason why you actually chose mechanical engineering? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I've always been, I've had like an analytical kind of mind. So I kind of naturally am a pro- problem solver. Um, so that kind of like led me uh, probably down that route. And I'm quite design orientated as well, um, which obviously has then kind of helped out further down the line when I've ended up setting up my own business and, and sort of making products and stuff as well. So it kind of all feeds into that. Um, but yeah, I think that was the main the main reason. Um, yeah, and, and it's quite interesting how like obviously you've got an analytical brain, and then you, you moved into business in, in, in your your older age, I suppose. After that, but like when you you had a bit of a gap in between university, I looked at your LinkedIn and had a bit of a gap between that and starting the brand itself. How did you kind of fill that time, and, and, and where did you go uh, work wise with with that after your mechanical engineering degree? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of an exploration of myself, really. I think probably we'd, I'd got, I was of that kind of mindset from a young age where um, we'd been sort of driven down a particular path by, by parents and everything else. So it was all very kind of, you know, I had the luxury of having a, a very good education and kind of we've always had it driven into us. And I think I probably rebelled a little bit when, um, when I finished uni, to be honest. And um, I, I went and did that, that traveling. I went over to Canada snowboarding. And if anything, that was probably... My parents will tell me it was the worst thing that I could have done. Because it was <laughs> out myself from that kind of, you know, constant education push from like day one. And then it's suddenly you've just got the whole, the wide world's out there and you've, uh, you know, it's up to you what you kind of go and do with it. And I probably went off, off the radar a little bit for, for a while. But yeah, I mean, the, I moved from like various sort of temp jobs from, from, one, one, next, from one thing to the other, really. Um, but nothing engineering specific. Um, and then... 
yeah, if you've, uh, if you've been snooping enough on LinkedIn, you'll then see that I then had another period where I went back to uni for a year to, to kind of have an, a, a refresher, which is a, I did a, a master's in, in product design, industrial product design. Um, and then it was during that time that I needed a little bit of extra pocket money um, while I was back at uni. And to fund that, I was just kind of buying and selling little bits and bobs on eBay. Um, it started off, I was buying golf clubs off from the local area around Birmingham from it was basically like wives who'd kick their husbands out and <laughs> they found this like set of brand new tailor-made golf clubs underneath the uh, the stairwell had absolutely no idea what they were so they were advertising them just single picture and then golf clubs in the title so I'm seeing these like yeah hundreds of pounds of worth of uh, of golf clubs and they just stuck them on there at like 20 quid or something so I was going around rounding up all these trinkets and then bringing them back and taking all some nice glossy pictures, advertising them fully. And I was making quite a good little bit of a turnover on the side, which was kind of helping me through uni. Um, and I guess at that point then, I just kind of got the, uh, I got the bug um, and it kind of got the hang of how eBay and sort of online selling works. Um, and We've I guess- still got a loft full of golf clubs. <laughs> I was gonna say, where did you store them all? <laughs> <laughs> so, There's some still of them, plenty. Yeah, they, they take you back to how it all started, <laughs> so you've kind of got to hold on to a few of those. I have a bit of a, bit of a history of hoarding, if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, so, um, and then, that, yeah, that was it really. And then, uh, oh God, probably a significant number of years kind of going out boozing and all the rest of it, and you kind of get to a point where you're looking for a bit of a change in your life. Um, and it was at that point when I'd gone back to uni that, I then started taking up um, and running um, just as a kind of, just something else to do at the weekends rather than just like lying around with a hangover all, all Saturday and Sunday. Um, and, uh, and that really helped, um, but obviously not knowing anything, you know, not having run. I mean, I, I used to do like long jump and stuff uh, as a kid. Uh, athletics was actually my thing at school, but then it just completely just disappeared during the uni years. But um, trying to pick stuff back up again after all those years of kind of like abstinence was uh it proved difficult on the old legs so uh <laughs> yeah, getting injured from overuse injuries and you know not having stretched or you know trying to do too much too soon all the classic kind of not following the 10 percent rule and on all that kind of stuff so um yeah i ended up with kind of like significant shin splints um i was actually i joined up for the um the london marathon in 2012 and this was kind of the start of it really um and uh, yeah, too much in at the deep end, got myself some shin splints that then kind of got further aggravated into an actual stress fracture in my tibia, um, which had been mi misdiagnosed by the doctors. And this was three weeks before the race. Um, so I ended up just kind of patching myself together um, and, and ran it um, and did okay. I completed it, um, but uh, yeah, for, for, for like months after I was in complete agony. Um, and it was at that point I kind of decided I need to go and get some professional help and guidance on all this. So um, I think it was a Groupon voucher that I got locally for a, a physio. And I'd never had physio before or even contemplated the idea of it. But I just went along and, and it did wonders. And, uh, and the chap said to me, look, you know, in order to uh, help you with this recovery, you need to look at these hot and cold packs. I didn't know anything about that. I hadn't even ever used a bag of frozen peas or anything on an injury, but um, yeah, I bought, I bought one of these things and it literally saved me. And I was like back on my feet running in no time. Um, 
And then off the back of that, because I'd got that kind of eBay thing going on at the same time, it just kind of sparked something in me that I thought, you know, these aren't really readily available at the moment. You know, it, was the, it was the fact that these packs were available, like a hot and cold pack, it, it's dual purpose. But then they were coming with these elasticated wraps, which you could then attach um, against your body and hold it in place. And then um, they weren't really readily available. So I just started sourcing them from various places and bundling things together. And then next to no time, I was kind of going to the post office every day with like 20, 30 <laughs> parts. I was like, this is actually like, you know, going somewhere. So, no, yeah, yeah it's, in it's interesting that you kind of, you obviously had that gap and you spent a bit of time like learning about yourself, doing different things going out, partying and, and working in different environments as well. So obviously taking in different skills that you've picked up along the way. And obviously with your analytical mind, working in your university and your degree and stuff, and then coming back to it after, afterwards, more of an ergonomics kind of um, twist to, I think your degree was your master's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of learned a lot of things there. So what I'm trying to do in this podcast is people listen to this, may pick up things and think, right, I'm doing nothing right now. I'm doing these tech jobs. I'm just doing a bit of, freelance work where am I going with it and like doing something what you've done is just proven that you've actually done all this stuff and because of doing this stuff when you found something you actually enjoyed which was running going out there and trying to recover from it you've actually created a business off the back of it which is like fantastic and a lot of people will look at that and go wow like it was sounds almost accidental but I don't think it is <laughs> yeah. it absolutely was accidental yeah there was uh, no I always look back on it and think I'm thankful for getting injured for, for us to have a business now. And, and it's then enabled us to be able to help others as well. You know, and people are in a similar situation that are maybe spent a few too many years kind of sat on the couch and not doing stuff. And then, you know, we're, we're now patching them up and enabling them to get back on, on their, like on their, on their journey, I guess. So in that first stages of the business, when you, when you started taking the stuff to the post office and taking it back and obviously you were doing that quite a frequent point, uh, quite a lot. What was the point in time where you thought, man, this is going to become a thing. This is going to become my, my job, my business. My... That's an easy one because um, it got to a point where essentially I couldn't get to my bathroom <laughs> because I was stepping over boxes. Um, yeah, the spare room had been kind of racked out. So I'd got shelving and everything. I'd pretty much stripped the rest of the spare room out and it was just racking all the way around the outer walls of the room. And then any kind of deliveries that I was getting of stock were, I wasn't even able to get them up the stairs into the bedroom. So they were literally just getting sort of stockpiled in the, the back reception room that then led into the kitchen. So in order to get to the bathroom, we were, you know, you'd have to literally snake your way and, and be jumping, climbing over all these boxes. So. I sort of put up with that for a few months, but it was, it was kind of evident at that point. I still had, you know, my traditional father in my ear who's telling me, you've got to go and get yourself a proper job and all this kind of stuff. But, um, he still says that. He still says it now. <laughs> <laughs> anytime I call him up with any kind of complaints about, oh, you know, a member of staff has done this or, you know, we're having problems with supplies. Oh, well, you see, I told you so. You should have, should have stuck with that and you should go and get yourself a proper job. It's, he still says it to this day. Um, but yeah, so at that point, it was, um, it was the tipping point, really, and something had to give. I either made the choice to go at this full hammer, or I needed to just kind of like park it and, and go back to the drawing board on, on the kind of traditional job front. Um, but yeah, and then I got, um, I'd advertised, around, well, looked, I looked around in advertise, advertisements, God, is that even a word, um, for um, like office space in Birmingham. 
and uh, I found something that was quite reasonable and uh, got a little office there which was just a kind of shared building with us with a small room and it had uh, like a loading bay facility at the bottom and um, yeah that was my sort of first commitment really so you know you commit to your monthly rent and then you've got to make sure that you bring in enough sales in to sort of cover all that at that point I was still doing it on my own so I didn't have any help and um, I was occasionally drafting in my little brother who'd kind of like just uh, left school and stuff at that point so he was kind of helping out with a bit of picking and packing but yeah for, for the first year it was just a lot of graft um and then you know, the first shipment you had the first shipment when you moved into that first room as well yeah yeah the first container which is quite exciting of your room yeah, yeah it was a half a container we had arrived and then that was kind of at that point we'd we'd gone away to to china and and sort of sourced products at source because before that we were just reselling so we were just kind of i'd buy a gel pack from a traditional UK seller and then I'd go and buy a wrap and we'd kind of bundle them together and put a bit of you know a nice packaging sleeve inside and but before that there was kind of no branding or, or anything but then we were able to go and use some of that money we generated to go to China and, and get everything done at source so that it was all underneath our brand and all comes in nice retail packaging. Um, was it at that point in time where you like you had mentioned you were doing eBay and Amazon were you still doing that mainly or at that point had you thought right I'm going to create a brand name. I'm going to create a, my own website. I'm going to sell it all through there. Or were you still mix, mix and matching things? It was mix and match for, for a while. I mean, for the first two years, I mean, we still, we're still reselling to this day. So we, even though we have our kind of core brand, and we've got a couple of brands now that kind of fall underneath the umbrella, but, um, you know, we still have other products which, you know, we haven't sourced ourselves. For example, there's like analgesic gels, there's like a brand called Biofreeze that, that we've still got some, 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 some of that stock lay around that we, we still resell. But yeah, um, that kind of carried on for the first two years and we still do eBay. Like Amazon is still absolutely critical for our business. Um, but it was a little bit later on, probably another year or so into it that we sort of started focusing on the branding side of things and, and kind of looking at kind of pushing on our website a little bit more. Because uh, that's that, that's the more interesting side of it, really, the, the branding and, and kind of making something which is, you know, got some longevity and you're not kind of relying on the likes of big marketplaces like Amazon that could pull the plug on you at any any given moment. Was that the point in time where you, you asked for help or are you the kind of person that thought of the brand name and you had that kind of creativity in you or, or did you require other people to come join you at that point in time to help you with that process? No, I mean, I think um, friends and family were, were great people to bounce ideas off. So in terms of kind of coming up with a brand name, it was just a case of brainstorming, really, and just writing stuff down on sheets and kind of sending them out on emails to everyone I could think of and kind of getting the, the general feedback. And the brand, it just branding, it kind of evolves as well, doesn't it? I mean, it's changed quite a bit from from the very start, you know, we've had a new logo, all our packaging, we've, we have all that updated. So it's kind of an ongoing process. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. the first iteration like, was my own kind of handiwork on Photoshop or, or, or whatever I think it was. So, I mean, that got us through the first year or so, but eventually once you can afford someone with expertise and we were able to source, thankfully, a really, a really great designer that we still work with today. Um, and they kind of help us out with all of our packaging design logos and, and branding and everything. So, yeah, I mean, that, it's, a, it's a big game changer once you can start afford, you, you can start affording the, the actual help to, 
to kind of do the bits where you're not necessarily, uh, I mean, because I'm just, a, I've just been a jack of all trades up to now and it's great to be able to kind of tap into other people's expertise. Would you say you're um, more of a product kind of person? So you've obviously been buying and selling, so you obviously can see the intrinsic value in products that you buy in to sell them at a higher price. So you've obviously got an eye for that. But would you say that's your focus or are you more focused on the business as a whole and you prefer to do the branding and look at different, like similar stuff to what you're doing before, like kind of finding out what products are working in different areas and then buying them in? Or are you focused on making the actual products better themselves? I would say I'm, I'm, I'm product driven, really. And that's obviously naturally, I kind of fall back on that from, from my kind of uh, education, etc. So that's, you know, I like to make something that um, will meet all the requirements of the customer um, and exceed expectations and, and make sure that we've got like a cutting edge against competition. So that's still, that still remains my kind of, my passion and, and my interest. Um, just, just where the business is at though, we're, I'm still very much kind of inter, interwoven into the fabric of the business. So um, I would like to be able to get to a point where, um, you know, I'm not necessarily the one that has to, yeah, I'm, I, I still answer emails, I still pick up the phone, um, I'm still sourcing the products, I'm still looking at what products we could buy, what, what's doing well, what isn't. Um, we, we're looking, we're working on getting to yeah, a point where some of that strategy. gets handed up. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, because naturally then that that kind of having your fingers in all those pies it does it does certainly detract a little bit and i'm sure you know <laughs> nat would agree um but it's part of being an entrepreneur really that you've you just kind of you've got to do you've got to have that many hats that many different hats to be working on different parts of the business at, at all times so but you're always looking at the next thing aren't you <laughs> You're looking at the next thing before we before we finished. Yeah, it's, what, it's what called um, shiny object syndrome. <laughs> uh, yeah, anything that kind of crops up, and it could be anything. Like an email could come through where someone's trying to upsell me something, and I'll oh, and I'll I'll grab it, and that all oh, that sounds exciting. I'll end up spending the whole afternoon googling it and watching YouTube, <laughs> and listening to podcasts, and and next thing you know, I've completely got sidetracked and lost any kind of awareness of what I should or shouldn't be doing and then but that's where Nat's great that's where Nat kind of comes in and you know Nat came on board and what been now helping us out for was it yeah, four is it fourth year four probably years, now yeah, yeah. yeah so Nat's great in a sense of just kind of keeping me my feet on the ground and and we kind of have well we have regular planning meetings but uh <laughs> we don't necessarily always stick to them do we so the book's in but you don't stick to them the in, exactly yeah, the plan yeah. the plan's always changing as well so yeah. we, <laughs> we plan and then we do something completely different that's and start working on another plan for yeah. that so. Yeah, so, so Nat, you joined in 2017 like i'm i'm not sure you're in the same house together now so i presume there was something else <laughs> going on as yes, well as the business yeah <laughs> uh yeah yeah so we were supposed to get married um last year but um because of covid obviously that unfortunately got cancelled and i think it looks as though it's going to be cancelled yes again this year unfortunately we're, um, we're booked in well we were booked in for um croatia so we were having an abroad wedding and everything was all sorted all the invites had gone out etc but obviously covid hit um, but then we just thought you know i mean this was May last year and at that point you're thinking well this is probably going to all you know be sorted by Christmas so um, we just pushed it back a year but I mean what now we're in nearly into February it's, it's not looking uh, too promising so no kind of 
but in terms of working together as a, as a couple I suppose and, and that did not uh, join you after you got together or was it kind of the business that brought you together well we've known each other since we were 12 oh so. wow so it wasn't that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's a yeah a long-standing relationship isn't it so, Indeed, yeah but we work well together we're quite a good team um completely completely different views on things completely different skill sets which is great um, but yeah that, that, that kind of works well we challenge each other and you know we've got kind of com complementary um skill sets which just means that it all it all works nicely and we we, we i mean we've managed to get through all of lockdown without falling out yet so <laughs> that's yeah. going to be a plus yeah. well, considering that we're you know work, working together living together and are together it's it's quite i think it's a testament to you know the fact that we've managed to get through that yeah, so. you still to, yeah it's quite <laughs> yeah. quite good really <laughs> so well, one of the questions i wanted to ask was uh, around i know it's a bit different now because of covid and everyone's kind of working from home rather than going out there but i imagine a large majority of your work can be done from from home because it's distribution based and uh, apart from obviously going to different um sales events that sort of stuff um how does it work day to day for you guys? What's the kind of um, an average day for you? Well, we're trying to change things, actually. That's a very good question, because <laughs> at the moment uh, we do have a warehouse. So we have our own warehouse and we have staff members that are still going in every day. I mean, we're, we're medical devices, so we're still allowed to, to trade. So we've yeah. still got staff members that are going into the warehouse um, we're not going in at the minute unless you know we need to um, but it is something that you know we in the plans for the future are we'd try to be at home more wouldn't we and work yeah. it as a more remote business I think I mean we because Nat's got another business as well so she's got another training consultancy that she runs side by side to this so kind of we're always busy um, and always looking to try and free up some time really to do more of the things that we that we want to do you know you've once you've been running your own business for a certain number of years it kind of we've got it up to a level where you know that initial kind of phase where we you really have to just put every hour that you can into it and every hour you get back we're at that stage now where kind of it it kind of half runs itself um, but we've still got the ties to the warehouse we've still got staff that we have to kind of manage we've got various kind of agencies that work for us and and um you know other like graphic graphics people and all that kind of side of things as well so we've kind of got a mix between some of it is remote and some of it is actually physical and we, we've got um products where other companies might have it all completely outsourced where you know they might not even have to touch a product from from source and it goes straight into fulfillment centers, et cetera. But we, our option and the, the route that we chose was to actually physically hold our stock and, and be a bit more personable and have, you know, local, local people, et cetera, working for us. Whether or not that's, you know, th this kind of pandemic and everything else has kind of been a bit of a, an eye opener really for on that side of things, because, um, you know, there is an option that we could probably do it a little bit more remotely so it's it's something that we're looking at probably in the next in the next six months no oh, brilliant and into it more like granularly what like it's difficult to kind of ask the question because every, every day might be different you might wake up later one day than the other but like in terms of actual working day say like a, a, your average tuesday or something 
how does that play out? I, I spoke to a few different people and they've, they've got different methods on how they do things, what time they wake up at, what time they finish work at. <laughs> do they go for exercise during the day or is it the evening or the morning? How do you guys play that out? And maybe ask Mark, Mark first. Um, yeah, so we've got an interesting uh, routine at, at the moment because as, as kind of lockdown's gone on, the snooze button seems to be getting hit <laughs> a lot more regularly. So initially, I mean, back in the day, so kind of like maybe a year or, or 18 months ago, you know, the alarm would go off at six, we'd get up at six, coffees would go on, and then straight out the door, run in, or I'd be jumping on my like turbo trainer, you know, getting a, getting a bike in or whatever else. But for whatever reason, as, as lockdown's gone on, I think we've just got less and less kind of motivated or, or for whatever reason. And um, We tend to be, everything's kind of just shifted back a bit, hasn't it? So we're still exercising, but we try and do that in the morning. But then that means you don't start work till kind of, I think I started at half 10 this morning. Um, and then you were the same yesterday, weren't you? And then, um, but we're working later. Like I think both of us worked till about half past 10 last night, didn't we? Yeah. Um, but then you might have a longer lunch, you know, so um, the dog will get a walk at, you know, half past two. So life's kind of a bit jumbled at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. But you're kind of firefighting most mornings, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it, it just, it, there is probably a downside to the fact that we haven't got to go into the office anymore because every day does just generally roll into one. And because you can't really go anywhere or do anything the weekends, you know, I try to exercise at least every other day often most days so it could be a Wednesday it could be a Saturday it's really no different yeah. at the minute we're not doing yeah. anything else other than waking up exercising <laughs> eating and then working and that just seems to be kind of and it's, it's very easy to get into that that routine so it's probably a bad habit we, really. we could probably do better to be honest on that front um with actually sticking to more of a schedule but at the minute it's just kind of freestyle so some some mornings we just if we're not up for it we might end up snoozing for an hour <laughs> what you news for another hour well monday might get a walk mondays, then... <laughs> mondays are hard anyway aren't they i think generally everybody struggles yeah. on a monday and we both really struggled this monday didn't we and i just said you know what let's just forget it because it's not it's no but neither of us are being productive let's just get out and take the dog and we took the dog on a snow day walk um we we're out for kind of you know over an hour and then actually that was really beneficial because then when you come back you know, we were both straight straight into it and kind of you got the motivation to kick on and do some work then. So I think it, it's just really hard at the minute, I think. Do, do you treat it, your work as separate to your life? Like for me personally, I, I always kind of find it kind of rolls into one. And yeah. if I'm working at 11 o'clock, I'm actually enjoying it because I wouldn't be doing yeah. it if I didn't enjoy it. So do you have a similar kind of thought process or do you separate it out? Uh, as that's my work this is my life and they're separate no I'm, I'm absolutely the same as you yeah. so everything all just blends into one really I mean mm. it's my business it's my life and it all it all just overlaps and and kind of interlinks at any any given point so I'm not and I'm not even, someone that will will kind of set anything in stone as to you know right I'm finishing this yeah. at x x time and then you know we've got family time and all this kind of stuff because we just do we're both the same as well mm -hmm. I think it would be different if Nat had a different view on mm -hmm. it but we're both it's just work so we're kind of we're quite happy just to let it be organic mm -hmm. and and yeah. things just kind of go as they do and if we've got a busy period then we're both quite happy just to roll our sleeves up and and get it done and and, and realize that you know we'll, we'll take a couple of days off at the end of the month or or whatever else mm -hmm. so and um, no, even if yeah. 
even if we're doing something even if we're out on a run or something like that, we're probably still working because we're still thinking about photos we keep for Instagram yeah, or... Yeah. <laughs> There's still some sort of dialogue going or on we're in the talking, background. We're talking about what's coming up this week or what we need to do or... There's all some kind of work going on, even if we're not actually physically sat at a desk um, no, working. Yeah. But that's okay, you know, it gets us through, it's fine. I, 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 know, I know the feeling and that kind of leads me on to the next question and it's what what are some of the demands like or sacrifices that you've kind of you've given up or things you've given up or things you've had to do for the your your life that you've currently got to happen the way it is oh good question it is a good question i mean it's time isn't it it's you know because you see we've got friends that are jumping on zwift at four o'clock in the afternoon you know, and we're like, well, hang on a minute, you know, we're, we're still at work. And, um, you know, we've got friends that just can, uh, you know, the drop of a hat just pop off on holiday. And we can't really do any of that, you know, because we're always at work. So I think it's definitely time, isn't it? And we'd like to be able to go away more. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy to get into to a routine where you just kind of, you lose track of it. And we're just, you're just kind of immersed in it. But yeah, I think um, that's probably the sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of having breaks and, and being able to go off and, and do other things. But it's all part of the journey, I think. That's the way I kind of see it. It won't be like this forever. I think it's just natural to have that as a, as a growing business that, you know, until you can make the right hires to, to maybe take some of the, the load off you, I think uh, it's, it's natural. So that, that was probably the biggest sacrifice. Plus, there's nowhere to go at the minute anyway. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what are some of the kind of the, the good things that you've got out of this? Well, what are some of the privileges that you've had through having your own business and, and doing things this way, do you think? Uh, do you know, I think it's been really great that we've kind of just been embraced by the running community in, in general. Um, you know, we've done a couple of events and we've done kind of the running show and that was just brilliant because we've got people that kind of, we didn't know personally, but they'd, they'd seen us through our social media or whatever and we're coming up and saying hi. Um, you know, and we've got to know some people quite well. Um, and I think that's been a really positive experience you know and people are happy to use our products um you know and they, they shout about them and we're like oh you know, we're doing something right you know we're, we're doing something we're doing something good and i think you know the big part of it for us is that we both want to help people um you know with my other business as well that's a big part of it and actually by creating products that solves a problem you know and we're, we're able to make somebody better <laughs> as such then actually that's really important for us as well and it's really rewarding and when you get kind of testimonials that that prove that i think that's you know that's brilliant that's one of the reasons why you why you do it yeah the first time that we did uh, the run show was probably an eye-opener for me because you just don't expect people to uh, have used your product or be aware of you. And there's that many people that actually taken a beeline to come to our stand and just to like thank us for, you know, your product has literally been a lifesaver. It's helped me to patch me up. And it was like, I, I know it's a good product. I use it every day and I use it for all, all my own ailments, but to actually physically have people come, you know, take time out of their day to come and, and give you genuine feedback. And obviously as a product designer as well, to know that you've created something that actually has benefited people and 
you know, he's genuinely doing some good. It, it does it does give you a, a warm feeling, as as kind of corny as that sounds. No, no, it's, it it makes sense. And the fact that you mentioned that your other business as well that you that you're part of and that you own, it, it is to do with helping people. And you've kind of got that kind of mentality. That's what you're trying to do, and you're trying to build your products and your mind, your lives around that. Solid. I think I think that's it. I mean, I think you'll get a lot of. A lot of businesses might start for the wrong reasons in the sense that it's it's all about just making money or, or or a product. Someone might make a product with a view to solving a problem, but just look at it from the from the kind of product perspective. But I think if you want to make something that's going to last the test of time, you kind of just need to have a general ethos about helping people. And then the kind of the rest will kind of fall into place. So that's that's kind of where we where we see everything growing eventually will be. You know, the gel packs kind of thing has, has been great for us and it's given us a kind of introduction in, into uh, this area. But I think it generally, if you've got a kind of wider perspective of just helping people in general, I think there's, there's so much more that, that will open up for us kind of yeah, further down the line. We've set up um, a community interest company, actually, haven't we, which is, which is going to be centred around kind of helping people and supporting people. We'd like to kind of do a bit of work around mental health as well, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, and that's going to be a focus for us certainly in the, in the future as well. Yeah, that kind of leads me on to my next question really, like in like 10 years time, I suppose, or even, even five years time, where do you want to get to? And it, it, I know you mentioned a couple of things there, but um, in terms of this, the size of the business that you've currently got, like how many staff do you want to have? Or do you ever think about those things? Or are you kind of just kind of taking it every day as it comes? We want to be a triathlon training camp in Mallorca, don't we? Yeah, that's <laughs> that, a good idea. <laughs> the dream is to be able to just kind of move abroad and, and be able to kind of manage everything from, from a beach or, you know, <laughs> whether or not that will ever happen, you know, we just kind of have to see. But, you know, we've just got to keep working hard and, and judge every year on, on its own merit, really. No, that makes sense, yeah. Some, some people don't have that. Uh, that fixed plan in the future and but like it sounds like you've got a rough, rough idea of where you want to get to and it's beach to beach <laughs> there are plans aren't there there are plans i mean we're not we're not done with gel packs are we we no. think there's still there's still a long way to go i mean we're we're currently developing a lot of new products so our product at the minute you know it's quite generic um whereas we are designing products that are you know more tailored to to specific body parts so they're a bit more technical um the wraps are you know different fabrics um we're, we're using some different technology and some of the the new products that we're bringing out as well so that's going to be the focus for us really for the next kind of 12 months i think isn't it um and then i think that that way that will see where it leads us um we're also in the process of getting um fda approval um so at the minute um we you know we sell we sell in the uk we sell into europe um but we haven't really touched the us market yet and you know that that potentially could be huge for us so that that's the next stage as well so we do have a plan no it's good that you get, get into the us and that's a massive market especially for sports related things so they love it over there but no that's, that's great and the question we'll ask is um has anyone kind of inspired you over the years have you got anyone that you look up to some people have like a mentor someone that they talk to you mentioned your, your dad i think earlier on and he was trying to make you get a job but i imagine he was pushing you in a, in a way to, to improve yourself and, and that was it but apart from that 
do, do you have anyone else that you've ever looked up to or um, yeah, admired? In all honesty, I can't, nothing really jumps out. Um, we do have a business mentor though. Okay. Yeah, we, we, have, we have a mentor have a that kind mentor. of keeps us on the, on the right track and all that type of stuff. But in terms of kind of a, you know, a figure that kind of I, I kind of look up to and then aspire to, to kind of follow in their footsteps, there isn't... David Goggins? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's great. <laughs> I don't think I can kind of put up with the level of pain that David Goggins has. <laughs> um, no, I just think that we're just, we're just kind of furrowing our own way, really. And uh, yeah, just... Uh, Nat, Nat inspires me. Nat inspires me to get <laughs> That's a, that's a great answer that's a really good great answer, answer. yeah <laughs> now, in, in terms of the, the mentor side of things when you first took that person on board was that something you realized there was a skill gap in in the setup you had and you needed someone else someone to fill that gap and you thought i need to pay someone to do that for me yeah i mean there was a there was an element of troubleshooting at that time that we just kind of needed specific advice on on things but another thing for me is is the accountability side of it um where you know, you've got a meeting booked in and the last time you met that person two months ago, you'd written a plan and you've made that plan into objectives and individual tasks and all of that stuff is mapped out. And, and it kind of, it gives you that, you know, you know that you, next time you're checking in, they're going to want to know how you performed on each of those things that you initially agreed on. So for me, I, like I say, with the shiny object syndrome tendency, just to kind of constantly be looking at new things and, and just trying to need a bit of focus sometimes that, Accountability is, is a big thing. So that's probably the, the biggest thing for me, having a mentor. No, no, great. And if you've got a piece of advice that you'd like to give someone starting their own business or business in sports, maybe, maybe go with you, Natalie, first. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, go on okay. oh, oh, yeah, there's a few, isn't there, really? I mean, there's a list of things that I wish probably somebody would have told us, maybe, when we were starting <laughs> out. Um, but I think you've really, you've really got to do something that you love because, you know, when you start a business, it, it, it kind of sucks all of your time and all of your energy and all of your effort. So you've got to love it because you've got to be 100% committed to what you're doing. And if you kind of go into something kind of half-heartedly, you just won't succeed. And it's everything so competitive now as well, aren't we? Like or everything that we have to kind of fight um, on Amazon. So you really need to be 100% committed and, and really passionate about, about what it is that you want to achieve. And I think goal setting is really important as well. Um, which you know we're not great at we're getting better at it but I think you you know it's really essential that you've got key things that you're working towards because like as, as Mark said there's this shiny object and it looks great over there and it's it's really easy to get distracted so that would be the biggest things that I would say what do you think yeah I mean for me we're I wouldn't say we're amazing at anything we're kind of generalists really you have to be just like good at every little bit but you're not necessarily an expert in everything so it's it's just hard work um you, you know as a if you're starting out a business from scratch you've got to be like you've got to have that right mentality if you're the type of person that you know i know we talk about the snoozing and everything now with the alarm <laughs> but you're the type of person that kind of like will will always put something off and just keep capitulating then maybe you're better off in a nine to five but if you've got yeah. something about you you've got a bit of get up and go and and you know if you have a passion for something that, that makes it 10 times easier because 
that's what you're going to be doing every day you know for for the foreseeable if you can do something you're enjoying at the same time then all the better because that extra five percent that difference it might make by the what your willingness to kind of like go like above and beyond will make that be the five percent difference over you and the next guy who's trying to do the same thing i would also say as well kind of get help where you can so you know if you don't try and do things yourself that aren't your forte you know we're not all web designers we're not all graphic designers so don't don't try to be you know yeah. like invest wisely you know if there's something that isn't your thing then just don't try and do it because you know there's things that we've tried to do and kind of wasted hours and hours and then you just thought you know what it would have been so much better <laughs> if we'd have just paid somebody to do that and I think that's probably a really good piece of advice as well you always kind of need to know your skill set <laughs> know know what you're good at and know what you need to be able to hand off to, to other people um I would also say um, <laughs> having a business partner from, from the start as well, I think that would have really helped me. That would have helped probably me progress at even a faster rate because just having someone there that's kind of in the same bubble as you and bouncing ideas off all the time, um, it's naturally you're going to move twice as quick as you could do on your own and you can share the workload, you can share all the, all the problems that naturally will come and arise. So. Yeah, I mean, if, if I'd had a chance to do it all again, then that's probably, I would have tried to find a, a mate with a similar passion that, you know, was just at that same, similar kind of junction in their life. That, Maybe some that kind of share. IT background. Or... Yeah, again, <laughs> and so, someone that could complement your skill set as well. Yeah, maybe bring something to the table that you can't. Yeah. Uh, definitely, they're really, both really, really good answers. Thank you, thank you for that. Um, I'm going to finish with a bit of a quick fire round. Um, I, I, I suppose you... Uh, I think a couple of these might cross over because you're staying in the same house together. You might have a few similar <laughs> things, but um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Mark first. Okay. So, um, right. So favorite book. Oh God. <laughs> that is right. So this isn't a good question for me because if you could see our bookshelf, <laughs> it's absolutely laden with all sorts from anything fitness related to like self-help books for, you know, staying motivated and all the rest of it but in, in all honesty and this is embarrassing to admit but i haven't managed to read more than a paragraph of a book <laughs> since i left uni so the last book that i read from start to finish would have been a mechanical engineering textbook yeah. and that's the truth like, and and it's a it's a running joke in our house because i probably buy a book at least once a month and it literally just gets added like it it, it, stay, it stays on the bedside table that's the first kind of phase It'll stay on the bedside table for say like three to four weeks. And then it'll I get, move it. Yeah, then that moves it into like a cupboard somewhere. And then it ends up just on the bookshelf, just gathering dust. So, so I'm the reader, aren't I? I, I read yeah. I read every day. But my favorite book is The Chimp Paradox. Um, I don't know if you've read that. I have I've read it three times and I absolutely love that book. And it's a book that I always go back to when I find that perhaps my habits are slipping or I've not been on my best behavior. You know, maybe I've said something that's upset somebody or, <laughs> um, and I kind of go back to that book and it kind of almost just keeps me back in, back in check. You know, I think it, yeah, I've really benefited from, from reading that. No, good one. I've, I have read, it, read that and it's a good read, but okay. Favorite film. Oh. 
we watch we watch films and then neither of us can remember the names of it the, the one with the guy and the horse and the... we can watch a film and then two months later we can watch the same film and then it'll take it to the last scene for us to go oh we've seen this one. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but both of our memories is, have just been completely fried. So whether or not we've just got too much going on all the time and there's no capacity in there. But we like a I don't good know, thriller. We like but, a good thriller. Yeah, my, my ones would all be kind of stuff that, that I've, the films that I've watched repeatedly would be things like Scarface and all the kind of traditional yeah. uh, bloke films. Yeah. Right. Um, favourite TV show? Oh. We are time. we've been binge watching everything during I mean Dogs behaving badly. <laughs> there's any one. anything with any animals in we we want like a bit of monkey life. Monkey life. Monkey world. <laughs> right. Um dog or box. Just <laughs> and honestly, just everything. Oh, and I'll tell you what we have watched recently, which was which was really good. The serpent. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, I've seen the first episode. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had nightmares for about two weeks after. <laughs> After watching that, so I think it was a bit just hit home a little bit. <laughs> I honestly don't know how we find so much time to watch telly. But... <laughs> well, right now we've got nothing else to do apart from watch telly, so you've got all the excuses in the world. Right, so the next few are more uh, to do with running, I suppose, and sports. So, uh, favorite shoe brand? Mm, okay, I probably New Balance. New Balance. Asic. Always Asics. wear Asics. Yeah. Favorite sports watch? Right. Go on. Garmin. Yeah, Garmin. Um, favourite clothing brand, so different to the shoe. Mm. And this is running specific? Running specific, yes. Um, probably Say Sky. I, I tend to wear Nike. Favourite sport? Cycling. Well, tri triathlon, but... Yeah. If you can break it down into its individual elements, then cycling. Cycling's the one. Yeah. Um, running or swimming, equally. Yeah. Triathlon for you two is perfect, I suppose. Only both favorite podcasts or radio show. If you don't listen to podcasts, you you listen to hundreds of podcasts, don't you? I don't have a favorite, but all of mine are kind of Amazon related. Um, Seller Sessions would be would be one, which is kind of a, by Danny McMillan, um, which is an Amazon specific one. That'd probably be the one I, I listen to the most. Uh, I quite like that Bad Boy Running podcast. Yeah. 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 No, it sounds, sounds like you, you mentioned at the start, you don't read many books, but if you're taking a lot of content from your podcasts, it's like the same thing really, isn't it? You're still learning yeah. Yeah. from yeah. a different yeah. method of learning. <laughs> There's only so much room in, in the head these days as well, so it's kind of it's like one in, one out. Um, yeah. you, you listen to a lot of audio books as well. If we're, if we're driving in the car anywhere, obviously not much at the moment, but um, you know, if we're going away somewhere or whatever, we've always got an audio book, haven't we? And it's normally, some, try, we try and choose something that's educational <laughs> in some manner to try and learn something while you're sat in the car, definitely. That's good. Have you got a recommendation on an audio book you're listening to currently? We really liked that um, Homo Sapiens, didn't we? Oh, that was good, that yeah. That was really, really good. So it's kind of, well, it is what it, what it says, isn't it? It's the history of human beings. <laughs> ultimately. Um, but that's, that's really worth a listen to, I would say. Perfect. Right, thank you so much for that today. That was really insightful. Um, thanks for joining us. And uh, good luck with everything. Yeah.
Brill. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, then. Thank you. For more information on Gel Packs Direct, you can find the website at gelpacksdirect.co.uk. To see what Mark and Natalie get up to, check out their Instagram at gelpacksdirect. And that's it for this episode of the On Your Marks podcast. If you'd like more information on GW Active, check out gwactive.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us again soon.